Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. I want to talk to you about the most important conversation I ever had at university. I was raised going to church. My mum and dad were believers. My dad got saved when he was four years old in a uh, Methodist church. He then became a, a school teacher in the country town of Rainbow in uh, the Mallee in Victoria, um, way out f- um, in, in the, almost right in the midst of the farms in a little rural school where he met my mother, who was a farm girl. She was only 13 years old when my dad became the young teacher of that school. And then over the next years, he fell in love with her, and eventually after the Second World War, they married. And because Dad was a Methodist and my mother was a Lutheran, Methodists uh, had to become Lutherans. Lutherans never become Methodists. And so my dad became uh, a Lutheran in order to kind of fit in with the family background. So I was uh, born about a month away from the founding of Box Hill Lutheran Church, and I grew up going to church. Um, I can't remember a time when I didn't believe the Bible was true. And I liked church. I thought people at the church weren't perfect. They were, just, they were just lovely people, great people. So I never had a hassle with the idea of church. But um, I think I was a kind of a weird kind of a Christian because I believed it all. But the older I got, the more inconsistent I got. Went to church every Sunday, but I used to steal petrol from other people's cars. <laughs> I'd milk petrol out of cars. And it was, but it was okay because I'd use some of the petrol to get to choir practice on a Thursday night. <laughs> and I, I stole my lunch virtually every day from the university cafeteria. I'd figured out how to do that. But then I'd have a dollar to put an offering on a Sunday. And it was, that was the kind of life that I was leading. And all I ever wanted to do was to be a, a, a school teacher. Um, I won a scholarship to university in year 12. And I had a contract with the education department. They put me through university. I had to teach for at least three years, and it was fine by me. I always, I just, all I ever want to do is to be a school teacher. I met my, my wife in uh, high school. She was year 11, I was year 12, and um, we got together after, I, uh, after my first year of uni, and she was an Anglican girl. Um, she was the only one in her family who was a believer. No, no one for five generations was a believer, but she had a really interesting experience. When she was four years of age, Jesus introduced himself to her in the backyard of her home. And she became a believer. Found a little Anglican church around the corner, and her, her minister was a very godly man. And he used to put on Sunday night services and invite people to come in and share their testimonies. Now, I was a Lutheran. I'd never heard a testimony. Um, Lutherans don't have testimonies. <laughs> you, 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 just, you just go to church and you do the liturgy and you go home. Um, but he had people who had a testimony, and I'd never heard one before. And some of them were pretty disturbing. In fact, one night he had a young guy in there who was telling the story of how he, he became aware of his sin at three o'clock in the morning. He yielded his life to Jesus Christ and his sins were forgiven. And ever since that time, he couldn't stop sharing Christ everywhere he went. And I'm sitting there thinking, yuck, who wants to be like that? I mean, good Lord, how embarrassing, you know, talking about Jesus everywhere you went. Yeah, well, Lord, I hope I'm never, I hope I have to give it, become like him. And then, and I began to realize, if, if, if that's what a real Christian is, I'm not, that, well, I wonder what I am. 
And that night, her minister, her pastor, came up to me quietly and he said to me, well, tell me, young man, where are you with the Lord? Well, I'd never, no one ever asked me that question before. No one in 18 years of going to church had ever asked me that question. And I didn't know how to answer it. And I bumbled out some nonsense. Oh, yeah, you know, I used to have my doubts, but <laughs> I'm right in there now. And, um, but I went home that night deeply upset because I thought, if that dude is what a Christian is, I don't even think I want to be one. I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to be talking about Jesus all the time. Good Lord, I mean, how's that going to go down? And I, I just want to be a secret agent for God. I, I, I mean, I, I believe it all. I'm happy, and I'm happy to believe it all, but just don't want to be a fanatic. Well, um, for the next three weeks, I was upset because I'm trying to figure out, well, where am I with, with God? Three weeks later, I went to my own Lutheran church and we had a, a visiting pastor. My pastor was on holidays. We had a visiting pastor come in and he preached on hell. And about halfway through this message, I got a really bad feeling. I might get to see this place someday. And even though he didn't have, you know, eight by five glossy photographs to prove that hell was true, in my gut, I knew it was true. And it, he was scaring the hell out of me. And he said something that day I have never forgotten. He, wouldn't he be proud to think I heard him say that in 1967, and I've never forgotten it as an 18-year-old kid. He said the worst two words that'll ever be uttered in hell are the words, if only. If only I'd taken it seriously. If only I'd followed Jesus. If only I hadn't been so foolish. And, and the thought of dying and discovering that I hadn't connected with Jesus was horrifying. It was just terrifying. And if it had been a good church like this one, I guarantee you at the end of a message on hell, they would have said, if there is any young man here today that has a can and a hose in the boot of his car <laughs> and feels the need for Jesus and forgiveness... They, they would have given me a chance to get saved. But I was in the Lutheran church. All they do there is scare the hell out of you and send you home for lunch. So they, they just sent me out the door and I could hardly walk out there that day. I was so scared I could hardly walk. I, I thought, God, help me. This is serious stuff. You only get one life and the Bible says it's given unto man once to die and after that the judgment. I've got to get this thing sorted out. Well, I was working in a quarry during my university vacation. So the whole of that next week, I'm driving a big Euclid truck up and down the quarry and I'm all by myself all day long. And I'm, I'm, I've got this heavy heart and I'm crying all the time in the truck. And I'm trying to figure out how Christian do you have to be to get to heaven? Because this was my plan. I want to die and go straight to heaven. Boom. And as I walk through the doors of heaven, I want everyone to turn around in shocked silence and say, oh, we never thought we'd see you here, mate. And I'd say, oh, no, I was a secret agent for God, you know. Uh, it was my job to get to heaven and make sure no one else knew I was going. So I had to sneak in under the radar. Jesus didn't want anyone to know I was one of them. You know. But even me, we were like this. I believe it all. That was my plan. So now I'm trying to figure out how Christian do you have to be to get to heaven. So I start doing the maths on this. Now a good Lutheran boy should have known the answer to that, but I didn't know the answer to that. I started doing the maths. I thought, well now, how would you know if you were the, the real deal? And I thought, well the first thing is money. I mean, God's nearly always broke. They tell you that in church, you know. And, and if I, if I was to help God out by giving him some of my money, that, that's got to count for something. 
And I thought, well, I don't mind that. And I can up the giving and put two bucks instead of one buck. And I mean, surely God wouldn't be so mean as to overlook that. And I was trying to think of all the other things I could do. And finally, I alighted on the, the plan of the ages, the, uh, the nutcracker of them all. I'm training to be a teacher. I could teach Sunday school. It happens in church on Sunday. I was going to be there anyway. It's not like I'm wasting time or anything. And the dudes that play football and cricket, they're not there to see it. So I could sneak under the radar. I could be normal all through the week. Hey, whoa, boys, you know, no worries. Yeah, <laughs> but on Sunday, woohoo, I'm teaching the widow Jesus. Jesus' children get Jesus from me. And if Sunday school teachers don't make it to heaven, you tell me who does. I mean, how much suffering do you have to endure to get to heaven? So I put that on the list. I figure I'm getting a list together that is really, this, this, is a, this is a genuine Christian going straight to heaven list. Get to Thursday and I'm starting to feel better because I get my list together. I'm going I'm to straighten up and do, you know, do some more Christian stuff. I come home from the quarry on Thursday afternoon. I shower up. I'm going to pick up my girlfriend, take her to the drive-in, and some of you people here don't even know what that is, you poor people. <laughs> I'm old enough to know what a drive-in is. I get right near the front door, and God spoke to me as clearly as I'm speaking to you. And God simply said one thing. It wasn't in the ears. He spoke in my chest. I heard it in here. And he simply said to me, I want you to be a minister. Well, I've got to tell you, that was not on my list. I'm trying to figure out how to be a secret agent. And I suddenly saw myself as a Lutheran minister, dressed in the black and the colors all around my neck. And I just burst into tears. Oh, no. 19 years old and I'm dead already. So I just burst into tears. I jumped in my car. I drove around to see Helen. I got her out in the backyard. I said, I think God wants me to be a minister. She cried. She didn't want to marry a minister. So here I was with a reverse testimony. You know, you've heard those testimonies. I was low and full of sin and beaten up and broken by life. And Jesus came along and lifted me up. Well, I was doing okay. I had a fun time. I had a car, a set of golf clubs, a, a rifle. I was going to university. I had a scholarship, had money in my pocket, a pretty girlfriend. I was doing a little bit of university work and full-time golf and billiards on the side. And Jesus came along and wrecked my entire life. <laughs> I was so, I was so, uh, look, it knocked me. I nearly had a nervous breakdown. I thought, what the, the, my whole life. Now, the thing I had on God, I felt I had to think one thing on God. I've been going to church, so I know it's in the Bible. You know it's in the Bible. <laughs> you read it. I go, ha, ah, it's in there. And I knew what was in the Bible. Romans 13 was in the Bible. And I knew that Romans 13 says you've got to obey the civil authorities. And I had a contract with the education department, which meant they had to do my uni and teach for three years. I thought, well, you can't have me till 1973. It's in the Bible. But here I am in university with a call of God on my life and I'm scared to death by it. I mean, I genuinely, I'm scared to death. And I'm now in my final year and I'm, I'm doing my diploma of education and it was getting towards the end of the year and I was trying to study for exams and I was in the, uh, I was in the uh, university library trying to study for a history of educational thought examination and I couldn't think, I, nothing would stick. I was in such turmoil on the inside that I just couldn't think straight. 
And I was so desperate and overwhelmed by the, this whole pressure of feeling a call of God on my life that for some unknown reason, I see on the university di daily diary that there's a Lutheran service at the um, religious centre in the uni that lunchtime. Well, I never go to the, I didn't go to the religious centre, I go to the billiard room. But I thought, I'll do anything. You know, if I can find some peace, if I can't settle my heart, I can't study, I'm, I'm, I'm useless. God, I need help. You know, leave me alone for a while. So I thought, if I go and do something religious, he might leave me alone for a little while. So down I went to the university religious center and sat through the Lutheran service, half, that, half hour Lutheran service. Absolutely meaningless. Didn't mean a thing. I didn't get one thing out of it. And when it came time to leave, there's a guy sitting right beside me and he breaks out his lunch and he starts eating his lunch. And I want to tell you something wonderful about sharing Jesus. Often people worry about how you share Jesus with people. And I want to tell you the greatest secret is just don't leave too soon. Just don't get up and walk away. Um, hang around. Really, that's all it takes for you to, to get a chance to share Christ. The problem is we're trying to manipulate conversations and get there before we even know what's going on in that person's life. But the wonderful thing about the Bible is the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, at the end of the service, I'm, I'm just broken. I'm just desperate. To, I'm trying to figure out how to disobey God and go to heaven. That's my chance. That's my plan. How do I, do, how do I get away? I've, and I'm, Because I'm at university, I'm entirely brilliant as a human being. And so I'm figuring out I've got a problem with this idea. And this young guy sitting next to me breaks out his lunch and we start having a conversation. And because it was so heavy on my heart, I start pouring all this out to this kid sitting next to me. And out of that came a three-hour conversation. I want to tell you what he said to me that day that changed my life. Because there's just a chance there'll be some people here tonight, and, and you believe it all too. Um, and this conversation might help clarify something for you, because I tell you what, it changed my life that day. Young Baptist University student sitting there having his lunch, and I start pouring out my heart and saying, oh, I can't think, I'm so overwhelmed, what's your problem? Oh, I think God wants me to be a minister. He said, well, that's fantastic. I said, no, 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 that's terrifying. It's horrible. I just, want to be a, I just want him to leave me alone. I just want to be a high school teacher. And out comes this conversation. He said, well, tell me out, you know. I mean, do you believe? I said, yes, of course I do. I mean, I'm, I'm a full-on believer. And he said, well, tell me, what do you believe? Well, I believe in all. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. I believe it. I believe that he descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I believe it all. He said, well, Flip, that's a lot of believing you've got going there, man. Uh, that, 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 you know, that, that's, a, that's a lot of believing. That's pretty heavy stuff. I said, do you think I'm saved? He said, oh, it's possible. <laughs> you believe all that. Um, do you think it's possible you might overlook one of the words in all that stuff you believe? I said, well, what word's that? He said, well, right, you go right back to the beginning. He said, I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, 
his only son, our Lord. Now, do you understand what the word Lord actually means? Oh, I suppose, you know, it's sort of like I'm Dr. Alan Meyer and you, you're, you're Mr. Graham Willard Turton. I suppose he's Lord Jesus Christ, you know, it's like, it's a title. No, that's nice try, but that's not exactly how it works. You see, let me help you with an earlier confession, because that, that believing you've got, you've got so much believing going on there, I'm not sure you know what you're believing. Let's go back to the earliest confession the church ever constructed. See, it's not as many words as that one, Alan, some might help you out. The earliest confession that the church ever had was simply this, Jesus Christ is Lord. Four words, that's all. And you want to you want to be you want to be a, a, a saved person. You want to be a follower of Jesus. Well, that's all you've got to really believe. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you understand what Lord means? I suppose it's a title. No, no, so it's more than that, mate. See, the word Lord means master. It means the owner. It means the one who has supreme power and authority. It's the one who rules. The word Lord means supreme being. The one with dominion, with power, with authority. You want to bring it down to a single word, he is the boss. Do you believe that? Well, um, I guess that's what we're wrestling with, isn't it, eh? He said, what you need to understand, Al, is that sometimes we believe so much, we get lost in all of our believing, and it gets so complex we don't understand what the core of it all is, but see, you need to understand that from the beginning of creation, the one question that must be solved in your lifetime is this, who is Lord? Who rules? Who reigns? Who is really sitting on the throne? Who is the one with supreme authority? Who is it? And right from the very beginning, that has been the challenge. Um, you saw it in the Garden of Eden. God says to his kids, everything I have created is yours, but here's the deal. Honor my authority. Well, how do we do that? Just a single tree is set apart as a, as a, 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 a declaration of my status, my honor, my dignity, my authority. Just don't touch my tree. All you have to do to honor my authority is just leave my tree alone. The, the, the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You aren't up to that. You see, one of the problems with being a human being is the law of unintended consequences. The moment you start trying to figure out what you think is good and what you think is bad, you don't see far enough into the future to see fruit. You only see now. So leave the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to me. If I say something is evil, trust me. If I say something is good, trust me. And the first thing that Satan does as he enters into the garden is to utter these words, hath God said? Hath God said you're not allowed to touch any of these trees? No, you miserable coot, that's not what he said. He said everything was ours. We have a magnificent life laid out in front of us, but we're to leave the good and evil stuff to him. Trust him. Oh, I hate to tell you this, but you see, uh, the secret to life is you've got to make those decisions for yourself. You need to realize you ain't sitting on that throne deciding what's good and evil for you. 
Ha, it's hardly worth living. You know, the day you decide to eat from that tree, the day you decide I'm going to figure out good and evil for myself, that's the day you become like God, you see, because that's the whole question of God is his authority. Take it to yourself. Be your own master. It's the challenge of the ages. Listen to Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Oh, is that what it is to see Jesus Christ as king? Oh, that's chains and shackles, is it? Oh, oh I get it. You know, I thought that when you had someone as glorious as him on the throne, that it would be absolute liberty. Oh, no, no, because then, you see, then he rules. You've got to break off his chains. Get rid of those shackles. Do your own thing. You've got to do it my way. <laughs> the one enthroned in heaven laughs and scoffs at them, and he rebukes them in his anger. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. The central issue of life is who rules. And at the end of the day, the, the simple Christian co confession, it wasn't you didn't have to believe a lot of stuff, but you did have to believe this. There is one king. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And it's the testimony that goes right through the Bible. Sometimes we overlook it just how frequently the Bible is seeking to say to us, do you understand who is Lord? And do you understand that what your faith is essentially about is that the Lord is Jesus? For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For this reason also God highly exalted him and, be, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 1 Peter, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom there are all things, and we exist for Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. Book of Revelation, these shall wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And now we get down to the crux of what that young man shared with me that day. He said, Al, I'll tell you what your problem is. The problem is you're trying to marry a dishwasher. 
You're trying to marry a dishwasher, mate. Don't you turn up at a wedding ceremony and as the pastor says, Alan, will you repeat your vows to heaven, to Helen? Yes, I, Alan, take you, Helen, to be my lawful wedded dishwasher. You need to know at that point there's going to be a woman saying, excuse me, oh yes, exactly, and my seamstress, my sexy little housewife, and uh, what else, my holiday companion. What are you doing? You can't marry me as your dishwasher. I'm not, I didn't come here to marry you as your dishwasher. If you want to get married, you marry a wife. And occasionally a few dishes just might get washed. <laughs> Every now and then some clothes might get ironed and there might be some romantic moments, but if you think you're marrying a dishwasher, you need to rethink it again, Henry, because that's not what's on offer here. And that young man that day said, Al, you know what you're trying to do, mate? You're trying to marry a dishwasher. You're trying to marry a saviour. But you don't get to marry a saviour, you get to marry a Lord. And if you're willing to embrace him as Lord, he'll save your life, he'll wash your dishes, he'll wash your feet, he'll wash your life, but you can't marry the dishwasher. You're trying to have Jesus for your saviour, but you don't want him for your Lord. And in one moment, the whole fog in front of me cleared. It was an extraordinary moment. Because in that moment, I realized I was expending a lot of emotional energy trying to construct an impossibility. You can't marry a dishwasher. Christ did not come into the world to be married or received as your savior. He came to be received as Lord, and as your Lord and as your husband, He will die for you on the cross. He will impart to you absolute righteousness as a free gift, and He will carry you and tend to you like a great husband can, but you can't marry a dishwasher. And once it was clear to me, my entire life was just suddenly as straight as it could possibly be. You can't have Jesus as a saviour if you won't have him as your Lord. L listen to Jesus' own words. Listen to him explain exactly that. Well, I don't know why I didn't get that already. I needed a Baptist to explain that to me. <laughs> Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, this is terrifying. I would have been one of these people. I would have tried to have a dishwasher all the days of my life, only to discover I had never embraced him as Lord, and all my religion went down the toilet and was a waste because I had never embraced him for who he was, but for who I wanted him to be. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Being a wicked person cannot be covered with religious activity, no matter what words you put in there. Um, Alan... Uh, Siphoning petrol out of people's tanks and stealing lunch from a university 
cafeteria reveals that somehow Jesus does not sit on the throne of your life, no matter what you believe and no matter how complicated it has become. Luke 6, 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do the things that I say? In fact, the book of James puts it this way. It says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I was deceiving myself. I was telling myself I was a good believing follower. Well, I was a believer, but I was not a follower. Jesus gives us a parable. He said this, Jesus said to his critics, tell me what you think of this parable. There was once a man with two sons and the father came to the first and said, son, I want you to go and work in my vineyard today. And the son replied, I'd rather not. But afterwards, he deeply regretted what he'd said to his father. He changed his mind and decided to go to the vineyard. I am that son. The father approached the second son and said the same to him. The son replied, oh, father, I will go. Yes, I will go. But he never did. He didn't go to the vineyard. Tell me, Jesus said, which of the two sons did the will of the father? They answered him, the first one. Jesus said, you're right. For many sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes are going into the kingdom ahead of you. John came to show you the path of goodness and righteousness. Yet the despised and the outcasts believed in him, but you did not. And when you saw them turn, you neither repented of your ways nor believed his words. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever knowingly, purposefully, deliberately said to Jesus Christ, you are king? You are Lord. You are the boss of my life. Ask and it shall be given. Has that, has that ever happened? Or have you been caught up in uh, a, an experience of believing and an experience of religiousness? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it won't change where you're going and who you are. It all rests on one thing. Who is Lord of your life? If it's Jesus, he will save you you can't marry a dishwasher. You can't exclude his kingship from the deal. Um, let me ask you a question. If Jesus really is your Lord, or if Jesus really was your Lord, if tonight you were to say to Jesus, um, I got this bad feeling that maybe what that dude was talking about, I might be kind of in that space but I don't want to stay there because I get, I get what he's talking about. I, okay, if I can't marry a dishwasher, I do not want to find myself one day hearing you say, I don't know who you are. So, Lord, here I am. I'm gonna, you're going to be my Lord. Well, if Jesus Christ from this day was to be your Lord, would you have to handle your money differently? Would you have to rethink the way you handle money? If Jesus was really your Lord, would you have to handle other people's money differently? If Jesus Christ really was your Lord, would your sex life have to undergo some adjustment? If Jesus was really your Lord, would you use your time differently? If Jesus was really your Lord, would you share him more frequently and more desperately? 
If Jesus Christ was your Lord, would you love your husband or your wife better? Would you love them differently? If Jesus was your Lord, would you behave differently to your children, to your neighbors, to the people you work with? Um, if Jesus Christ was really your Lord, would you go to work this week and do a different kind of work? Would you take your work more seriously? Would you do your job with more diligence if Jesus Christ was your Lord? Um, if Jesus was your Lord, would you handle your worst enemy a little differently? If Jesus was your Lord, would you forgive more quickly? Would you forgive more completely if Christ was the King in your life? Uh, if Jesus Christ really was your Lord, would you stop driving and texting at the same time? If Jesus Christ was your Lord, would you tell the truth more completely? Would you clean up your room when your mother asks you to? If Jesus Christ was your Lord, would you resolve conflict? Would you pray more potently if Christ was Lord? If Jesus Christ was Lord, would you serve better in your church, your community, your home, wherever you are? Let me sing you a song, a little song that uh, years ago we used to sing. Um, just make sure I've got enough volume on this thing to hear it. Yeah, a little more volume than that. Sorry, I'd messed it up a little bit. I, I might be able to preach, but I can't play piano, all right? <laughs> you have risen from the dead, and you are Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sing it with me. For you are Lord. You are Lord. You are risen from the dead and you Imagine a guy bought an apartment. He bought an apartment and he rented it out to some people. At the end of the first month, he came to collect his rent, knocked on the door. Guy comes to the door. He says, oh, are you the owner? He said, yes, I am. I'm the owner. Just come for the rent. 
He said, wonderful. Just stand right there. He steps back and he begins to sing. For you're the owner. You are the owner. You have bought this apartment. You are the owner. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that you are the owner. And he shuts the door and goes back inside. The guy says, well, that's really interesting. I've never seen that before, but maybe he intends to pay two months' rent when I come back next month. He comes back at the end of the second month, knocks on the door. He opens the door, sweetheart, it's the owner. Bring the kids. Out they come. Four-part harmony. You are the owner. You are the owner. You have bought this apartment. You are the owner. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that you are the owner. Shut the door and go inside. So that's incredible. Maybe they're going to give me three months' rent when I come on the third month. He comes back at the end of the third month, knocks on the door, and out he comes. He's got a symphony orchestra. He has organized the neighborhood. They have a 65-member choir, and they all begin. You are the owner. You are the owner. You are the owner. You are the... There'll come a point when he'll say, shut up and show me the money. Jesus came to me when I was 19 years old and said, shut up with the singing and show me the money. I want you to be a minister. <clears throat> I was terrified when it happened and I'm so grateful God was patient with me and over a series of experiences changed the way I viewed everything. Today, I see the greatest privilege in my life is that the creator of the heavens and the earth invited me to join his team. As a 19-year-old, I thought it was the worst thing I'd ever heard in my life. Uh, at this age in my life, I say, I'm so grateful that you were not only willing to call me, but you were gracious and patient in helping me to understand and change my perspective in life. But here's the bottom line. You can't marry a dishwasher. If you've been trying to do it, tonight is your opportunity to finish that nonsense. It is a deception. It will destroy your life at the end of the day. And it could break your heart for all eternity to stand and say, if only, if only I had not tried to marry a dishwasher. If only I had embraced him as my Lord. And tonight you can make that decision. If you've never done it before, tonight is your opportunity. Why don't the band come? They're going to play for me. And uh, well, just worship for one moment. I hand back to you, Pastor, tonight to simply... Stand in his presence and do business with God. Have you been trying to marry a dishwasher while you're playing with money and time and sex and all the toys of life as if somehow somebody else is sitting on that throne? If you belong to Jesus Christ, you have married the Lord. And if he is Lord, show him the money. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.